a question as we begin our consideration of these blessed words of truth. How comfortable and how confident are you when someone engages you in a conversation about the gospel that's spoken about in these scriptures? I found that if the conversation is a casual one between close friends, the words will flow freely. And I've also found that if the circumstances are one of a more formal setting, perhaps let's say one is asked to speak in front of a crowd, very few people, very few people will feel confident enough to agree to take on that task. And then further, if you would imagine where you might be called before some governing authority and you're being compelled to give an account of your faith in Christ, what then would be your response? That's the circumstance that the Lord Jesus is speaking about in these words of our scripture text today. Listen to these words and consider them. They're given in Luke chapter 12 beginning in verse 11. There the Lord Jesus tells us, Now when they bring you to the synagogues, to the magistrates, to the authorities. Do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Now in these words, Jesus presents us with a circumstance that's intended to convey a condition of fear and of possible repercussions depending upon the answers that we give. And while we might not often be faced with that kind of threatening circumstance, as we can see from the cultural wars that are taking place right during these days, there's a very real possibility that we might face those very kinds of threatening circumstances in the not-too-distant future. And when and as we do, Jesus wants us to know that we'll not be left alone to figure out on our own what we are to do and what we're to say, that the Holy Spirit will be close at hand to help us. As we've been told in Ezekiel chapter 36, for those of us who have received God's blessed salvation, His Holy Spirit now lives within us and will actually cause us to do and to say the right things at the right moments. Isn't that a blessed promise? Listen to these words of Ezekiel chapter 36, beginning in verse 26. There the Lord tells us, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit within you. I'll take that heart of stone out of your flesh, and I'll give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit then within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. Did you hear those words? I will cause you to walk in my statutes, and you'll keep my judgments and do them. These words that are given through the prophet Ezekiel, they were given several hundred years before Jesus came to the earth. They were intended as a message to prepare the hearts of those who would listen, saying that there surely will come a time when he, when God, will do a new and mysterious work within the hearts of men and women. That there will come a time when he would no longer remain separate from his beloved creation, but he would come again to personally and intimately live within us, to indwell us with His Holy Spirit. And He would unite His Spirit with our spirit. And that's what God has done 
in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus. As we receive the Lord Jesus as our Savior and our Lord, the Holy Spirit does exactly as the prophet Ezekiel promised. The Holy Spirit now lives within us. And folks, that's no small thing that God has chosen to do within us. He has a purpose. He has an all-encompassing plan. And His plan is to reach Himself down deeply within us and to intertwine Himself within our heart, our soul, our mind, our spirit. And by His indwelling presence then, change the whole sum and substance of men and women's souls, yours and mine, back into the glory that we once had before we entered into that state of sin. When God first created Adam and Eve, folks, they were pure and holy. And they enjoyed a very intimate fellowship with God. But as they were tempted, and as they failed, He removed His intimate presence from them. And that's why even today, even today as each of us are born into this world, we come without God's Holy Spirit within us. We instead come with that unrepentant spirit that Adam and Eve endowed us with. That's why these words of the prophecy given here through the prophet Ezekiel, along with all the many promises that are given by the Lord Jesus, they're so precious and they provide us such blessed relief. These words are a promise of restoration, a returning to the blessed condition that was once ours back there in the Garden of Eden. Listen to this promise again. I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit within you. I'll take that heart of stone out of your flesh and I'll give you a heart of flesh and I'll put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Folks, the message that's hidden behind these words tell us that without Christ, we truly do have hearts of stone and our spirits are corrupt and in severe need of redemption. And that's the whole reason, the whole reason why the Lord Jesus came to us. To give you and me and our loved ones the opportunity to once again return to the relationship and to the unity that was once ours so that we could again become true sons and daughters of God. The sons and daughters that He designed us to be. Listen to these words in John chapter 1. This is speaking of the Lord Jesus But as many as received Him, as many as received the Lord Jesus, as many as received Him, to them He gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in His name, who were born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Our hearts, our minds, our souls, our spirits, they can be restored within us. But it can only begin again for us as we surrender ourselves back to Him. And as we receive the redemption then that Christ gives to us, He also gives us His indwelling Holy Spirit. But listen, we need to be warned. We cannot have just a part of Him. We must receive all that God has to offer us. Our response must be with a whole heart. There are so many people out there that believe that they can live as what they would call carnal Christians. They can love God with only part of their heart. And folks, that is nowhere in Scripture. You cannot do that. You have to love God with your whole heart. Over and over again in these Scriptures, God reminds us of that requirement. 
Our surrender, our response, our love back to Him must be with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind, all of our spirit. Throughout these Gospels, throughout these Gospels, Jesus is spoken of as being the Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus, our Lord. And to think that we can have His salvation without allowing Him to also be Lord over us and over all that we do in our daily lives. It's misguided. It's foolhardy. And that's echoed so strongly in his insistence that he put his spirit within us to guide us, to cause us to walk in his statutes. Those words again, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you'll keep my judgments and you'll do them. And then also later in John chapter 16, as Jesus was there instructing his disciples about the necessity for him to return back up into heaven, he spoke of his Holy Spirit saying, I tell you the truth, that it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. When He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. This is Jesus speaking forth much the same words as He had spoken earlier through the mouth of the prophet Ezekiel. In the salvation that Jesus would provide, God was now able to live within His people and by His Spirit then guide them into all truth. And that was the blessed comfort that Jesus was speaking about as he spoke these words of our text where he said, now when they bring you to the synagogues and the magistrates and the authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Folks, I do confess that even as I know and I accept these things that I have just said to you, about the indwelling presence and the guidance of God's Holy Spirit, I still find it difficult to fully surrender myself up to actual dependence upon God's Spirit to give me the answers and the guide that I need when I say things, when I do certain things, to give me the answers and to guide the words of my mouth. I'm so accustomed to thinking and conducting my daily life using my own efforts and my own wits and my own intellect. God has also given us common sense. Common sense to help us with the matters of our day. But a question that this text brings before us is, is common sense, is our common sense, is that where all of our very best answers are supposed to come from? We say that to people. We tell them to use their common sense. But is that where our best answers come from? from our common sense? And the answer to that question is an emphatic no. No. Common sense often has very little wisdom within it, especially very little spiritual wisdom. And this circumstance that Jesus is addressing here has the absolute necessity of spiritual wisdom. Here Jesus is speaking specifically about those times when our faith is being brought to the forefront and being tested. And yes, Yes, all the matters of our life have to do with faith and with the spiritual things of God. And all the matters of our behavior and conduct, whether public or private, 
They're governed by the laws and the ordinances of God. But in these words, in these words, Jesus was addressing those specific times when we'll be called to openly speak forth a defense of our personal faith in Christ. And specifically, as in this case, those times when those people that question us, they're in positions of authority and they're resistant to our words and often corrupt in their own behaviors and judgments. But regardless of whether those people, those church leaders, those magistrates are righteous or not, you and I are ever and always held accountable for our own righteous response. And having no personal righteousness of our own, the only possible way for us to remain righteous while we're under fire is that we surrender ourselves over entirely to the righteousness provided by the presence and the guidance of God's Holy Spirit. And to believe that that is taking place within us at that moment. Here in these words, Jesus was assuring his disciples and then consequently you and me that although we may be very unlearned in these scriptures, ignorant in so many of the matters of life, if we'll simply humble ourselves before the Lord and ask him and his spirit to do our talking for us, then words will come forth out of our mouths that we could never imagine that we would say. And again, let's admit, that's a very strange thought for our logical minds. But folks, listen, I know that even right at this moment, this very thing is taking place within your hearing. Right at this moment, these words that I'm saying to you, and the words that I say to you every Sunday from this pulpit, they all come out from these scriptures, and they come from the guidance of the Holy Spirit within me. How do I know that? How do I know that for sure? It's because, folks, I know me. I know that I am not smart enough or intelligent enough or well-versed enough in these scriptures to know the things that I should say to you, to know these things. The simple truth is, I know what I know only because the Holy Spirit puts it into my mind. And as long as I remain surrendered to Him, the words then that I speak back out to you, they're God's thoughts and they're God's wording coming forth. I truly have no personal claim upon any of these words that I ever say to you. I just believe them. So then, what is the response that God wants you and me to always have as we journey then throughout our day? It's as these words of today's passage tell us, that we be surrendered to His Holy Spirit and be confident that He will speak through our voice. Another question. Do these words imply that we don't need to study these scriptures and be knowledgeable about them? That God will simply put words into our minds and onto our tongues when it comes time to say those words? No, that's not what is intended. Not at all. But rather, we're to do as the Lord instructs us to do. We're to study these scriptures carefully and diligently and continually. Listen to this. This is from 2 Timothy 2. Study to show yourselves approved of God. A workman that needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Well studied within these words. And then also in 1 Peter 3, we're told, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who would ask you for a reason for the hope that is within you. Are you prepared? 
Do you get up each morning and as you go out that door, are you prepared to give a defense to anyone who would ask for the reason, for the hope that is within you? One of the best examples of what we're to do is given to us in the book of Acts, chapter 7. There it describes the response that's given by one of the deacons, Stephen, just before he was stoned to death. There Stephen recited all those many words that he had learned from the scriptures that spoke about God's watch care over the children of Israel. He was well studied in the scriptures and he was ready to give an account of why he believed. I invite you to read Acts chapter 7. Now for us, for you and me, we might never be personally put under that kind of life-threatening circumstance. But then again, maybe we will be. And I'd like for us to think about that for a moment. Every day, every day, good men and good women of solid believing faith, they walk the hallways of their places of employment with the firm understanding and belief that the judges and the magistrates and the leaders are prohibiting them from telling each other about the one thing in life that's truly worthwhile, truly of eternal value. And that is the redemption that is provided through Christ Jesus. Every day, every day, tens of millions of good, solid, believing Christians, they hold their tongues, saying very little or nothing at all, because they're fearful of what those in authority might do. Jesus is saying here that you and I and every other one of those devoutly believing Christians, we need to open our mouths. And we need to let His Holy Spirit speak words of truth through our tongues. That we're not to be concerned about the consequences, about the mistreatment, the loss of our jobs, the loss of our livelihood. Is God not able to provide for us? Is not the God who created all things, who sustains all things every moment of every day, who owns everything, who possesses, who controls all things, is He not able to adequately make provisions for us, above and beyond anything that we ourselves might provide. Folks, you and I are the very ones that Jesus is speaking to in these words. We're not to live with hamstrung tongues, silent voices. There's a secular quotation by the Irish philosopher Edmund Burke that very much bespeaks this circumstance that Jesus is warning us about. And that quote is, All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. Let me say that again. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men do nothing. And yes, we in our nation and every nation on this earth are in the corrupt condition that we're in today simply because of this one thing. All that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good men did nothing. Good men and women walk the streets of our nation every day, the hallways of our workplaces, classrooms, especially in our colleges, doing nothing. And look at the result of our silence. The enemy of our soul seems to be winning the day. The enemy of our soul seems to be winning. The morality in our families, our neighborhoods, our nation is self-destructing right in front of us. 
Men and women of evil intent, listen, men and women of evil intent have discovered that they have been given a free voice and they are using it with great success. Our college campuses of today, they're filled with dissent, with vile, corrupt language and behaviors, lifestyles that promote disharmony, discord, and blatant immoral behavior. And it's coming first from the academic leaders. And then it's being well taught to the college students. And folks, those are the same young people who in a very short while will graduate from those colleges and they'll become our government and our business leaders. And yes, it can all be traced back to the willful silence of good men and good women doing nothing. Now, with all that being said, before we do step out into the battle and suffer immediate loss, I'm not suggesting that we be flagrant with our words and go about our witness without the use of God's wisdom. May I quickly read these words of our Lord again, this time from the book of Matthew, chapter 10. There He tells us, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to the courts and they'll flog you in their synagogues and you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them and to the Gentiles. Whenever they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that very hour. Now again, no, we are not to be flagrant with our words. We're to be as wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. Wise as serpents, but as harmless as doves. And then, wherever the result of our witness for Christ takes us, then He'll always be there to guard and to guide and to protect us in our trials. Are you? Am I willing to trust Him with our witness? Listen again to these words and we'll close. Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and as innocent as doves. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you'll be dragged before governors and kings for my sake, to bear witness before them and to the Gentiles. When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you're to speak or what you're to say. For what you're to say will be given to you in that hour. Let's pray. Oh, dear Father, we confess to you, it's a little bit frightening because we don't trust you as we should. And we do get worried about how we would make a living if we said what we needed to say and it were to come back to cause us harm. Holy Spirit, help us to trust you to trust your guidance. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen.